0: I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 49 verses 1 through 7 is our scripture reading. If you're visiting here with us we've been going through the prophet Isaiah and during this Advent season we're looking at the four servant songs of Isaiah. Uh, Last week in our first servant song in general terms we heard about the servant's mission and character. Uh, His mission you remember is to bring justice to the ends of the earth. And his character is gentle and compassionate. As we read his heart towards the broken, he says, uh, "He does not break a bruised reed or quench a faintly burning wick. Uh, In that first servant song, God spoke about his servant to the world, right? Calling us to behold him. And here we actually see the servant speak to the world about himself. And so we hear that now from Isaiah 49, beginning in verse 1. This is God's word. Listen to me, O coastlands, and give attention, you peoples from afar. The Lord called me from the womb, from the body of my mother, he named my name. He made my mouth like a sharp sword, in the shadow of his hand he hid me. He made me a polished arrow, in his quiver he hid me away. And he said to me, you are my servant, Israel, in whom I will be glorified. But i said i have labored in vain i have spent my strength for nothing and vanity yet surely my right is with the lord and my recompense with my god now the lord says he who formed me from the womb to be a servant to bring jacob back to him and that israel might be gathered to him for i am honored in the eyes of the lord and my god has become my strength he says it is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the per- preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Thus says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel and his Holy One, to one deeply despised, abhorred by the nation, the servant of rulers. Kings shall see and arise, princes And they shall prostrate themselves because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel who has chosen you. Beloved, this is the word of the Lord. Amen. Well, discouragement and disappointments and frustrations are all emotions that we have even frequently this side of heaven, right? When circumstances are tough or when people let us down or things don't go as planned, Uh, we easily get disappointed and discouraged and frustrated. And sometimes in various things in our lives, we just feel like throwing in the towel altogether. And in this second servant song, Beloved, uh, we get an autobiography uh, from this servant of God, and he tells us about his opposition and his uh, rejection that he experienced in this world. He tells us about the sufferings that he faced. Uh, We see in the second servant song, uh, a savior who is not only able to sympathize with us in our discouragements, but ultimately we see a servant who would bring light into the darkness of this world. Again, our first servant song in Isaiah 42 opened up with the words, Behold. And in that song, we were called to put our gaze and our eyes of faith on Jesus. And notice this servant song opens it up with the words, listen, listen, because here we see a very important role of our savior, Jesus Christ. He is God's final and ultimate prophet who speaks to us the very word of God. But he is no mere prophet because this prophet says, listen to me. Whenever that language is used in the book of Isaiah, it always refers to God. You can see that in Isaiah 46.3, 48.12, 55.2. This servant could use these words, listen to me, because he is the Lord God Almighty, who became the servant who came into this world. In fact, when Jesus came to this earth, when he was transfigured, you might remember before the disciples in Mark 9, 7, God says from heaven, this is my beloved son, listen to him. And So beloved, this morning we want to listen to what Jesus says to us, even in the Old Testament, 600 years before his coming to this earth in the form of a man, he tells us about himself. And the first thing he tells us about is his hidden preparation. His hidden preparation as God's prophet. You see that in verses 1 and 2. And so before he was born, notice beloved, the Lord set him apart as a prophet. This language of being called from the womb is language that's often connected with the Old Testament prophets. Think of Jeremiah. In Jeremiah 1 verse 7 we read, before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Well, like the prophets of old, this servant would be called by God to speak his word. In fact, John 1, he would be the very word of God made flesh. And so our Lord Jesus Christ was set apart for this task, not only 600 years before in Isaiah, but even before the foundation of this world. It was the plan of God to bring Jesus as the Savior of the nations. Some reform theologians call this the covenant of redemption a covenant between the father and the son, mapping out together this great plan of salvation that would come across in this world. And you could see that language in verses five and six, the father speaking to his son. The father would architect this plan, that the son would willingly and joyfully come as the servant and savior. And the spirit, as we heard even last week, would equip the servant to do God's will. And we see as well in verse one, As God's prophet, Jesus was given his name, even from the womb. In fact, those are words that we see explicitly fulfilled in Matthew 1, verse 2. The angel said to Joseph, She that is Mary will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus, set apart by God, given a name, and prepared for his task. And notice this servant, beloved, is primarily prepared in the words that he would speak. Verse 2, he made my mouth like a sharp sword. Sharp swords can cut, right, in close quarters. This servant, Jesus, doesn't come into this world to conquer men like Cyrus, or other rulers, through the physical sword. No, this servant bears the spiritual sword, which will come from his mouth. It is the very word of God. Hebrews 4, the word of God is compared to a sword in the scriptures. It's a word that could come into our experience as human beings and cut us right into the heart, because it's a word that comes from God. It's a word that comes with power and with authority. It's a word that could actually change our lives. And notice Jesus shows us his words are effective. Verse 2, the second half, he made me like a polished arrow, a polished arrow. Words of Jesus don't miss the mark. But when Jesus came onto this earth, he didn't come immediately preaching the word of God, but for many years of his life, he was hidden. And we see that even here. He says, in his quiver, he has hidden me. For a season, right, Jesus was unknown to many people. He was born in a relatively unknown setting, in a lonely countryside within the town of Bethlehem. Major news outlets weren't there to record his birth. The political elite of the day weren't there to welcome the great king of kings. No, in fact, for most of Jesus's life, he was hidden away. And we might ask why. Why was Jesus hidden for those 30 years before his public ministry? He was being prepared for ministry. Luke chapter 2 verse 52 says of him as he grew up, he grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God. Isn't it true that oftentimes in the Bible, God's servants were often prepared for many years before their formal time of ministry? Think of Moses. Think of David. Think of Daniel. Think of the Apostle Paul. All of them lived ordinary lives for many years before they were used by God in formal ministry. The Lord used their early years to prepare their understanding, their character, even their life experience. It's a reminder to us not to despise the days or the seasons that God might have us in because he uses these things for his greater purposes. For Jesus, at the right time after being prepared by God, he came on the scene and he came speaking. Repent, for the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus would say of his own ministry in John 12:49, for I do not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say, all I have spoken. He was prepared to bring God's word. But for what purpose was he prepared in bringing God's word? What we see in verses 3 and 5 and 6, his humble purpose. His hidden preparation and now his humble purpose. You know the backdrop. God's people had been unfaithful to the Lord. They've been humbled in exile for many years. And in Israel's story of unfaithfulness, we see ourselves, don't we? Uh, verse 3 God is saying, but this servant who is to come, Israel, God calls him, he is going to live up to the name. God will be glorified in him. He's called Israel. Well, how do we know that that's not the nation of Israel? Well, fast forward to verse 5. It's because this man, Israel, is going to be the one who's going to bring back Israel, you see, gathering them back to God. Remember this, right? Right? Before the nation of Israel even came into existence, the name Israel was originally given to an individual, wasn't it? Given to Jacob in Genesis 32. And there in even Genesis 32, the weight of God's covenant promises that went all the way back to Abraham rested on him. And in a similar way here, the Israel of verse 3, speaking of Jesus, is highlighting how God's faithful servant is going to come from Israel and he is going to embody All that Israel, all that humanity, was meant to be. What a comfort that must have been for the people of Israel who just came out of exile during the time of Isaiah. Israel as a nation, again, had been oppressed for many years under foreign rulers. Their walls had been crumbled. They were living under foreign kings. But God sent his love on his people And he promised he would not cast them off forever that's what we heard in the call to worship zion says the lord has forsaken me the lord has forgotten me god says can a woman forget her baby or disown the child of her womb though she might forget i could never forget you god loves his people with an everlasting covenant love and so even after the people's unfaithfulness God would pursue them and he would bring them back to himself by giving to the nation of Israel and to all nations of this earth the servant who would bring them back to God. And here is the great purpose behind Christmas. Why did the Son of God come to this world and take on human flesh? He came on a rescue mission, according to Isaiah We have all failed to glorify God. Paul says we've all sinned and we fall short of the glory of God. That means in our lives, we have not attained the life that would bring about glory for us in ourselves. We haven't walked in the light. We've not trusted in God. But Isaiah says this servant, Jesus, glorifies God. In John 17, Jesus actually prayed right before he went to the cross these words, Father, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Again, Israel couldn't say those words. Adam of old couldn't say those words. You and I cannot say those words. Only Jesus can say those words. I've glorified you. I've fulfilled the work that you gave me to do. And so he came to bring us back to God. And first, the, the, the primary note here is, again, he came to bring the nation of Israel back to God. And that's what we hear fulfilled even in Jesus' birth when he comes in, to this world that he's brought into the temple by Mary and Joseph. You remember he's met by a man named Simeon. And in Luke chapter 2, uh, verse 30 and 32, Simeon takes Jesus in his arms and he says this, For my eyes have now seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Indeed, in his earthly ministry, Jesus would go to the Jews first because to them belonged the covenants of promise, And when he gave the Great Commission to his disciples after his resurrection, he told them to begin making disciples in Jerusalem. Today, the church of Jesus Christ, even the church here, we don't replace Israel, we grow out from Israel. Galatians 6, the church is the very Israel of God. And that's because Jesus came to unite to himself, both Jew and Gentile, through the blood of his cross. But notice the scriptures say in John 1, 11, he came to his own, but his own did not receive him. And if you look at our text here in verse 4, you actually see that discouragement. Verse 4, the servant says, I have labored in vain. I've spent my strength for nothing. You can hear more of the servant's frustration in chapter 48, 18. The servant says, Oh, that you had paid attention! to my commandments then your peace would have been like a river and your righteousness like the waves of the sea can you ever feel like your efforts are in vain or like all of your work is for nothing you ever felt unappreciated undervalued or disregarded when jesus came to this earth he experienced as a man these emotions He said to the crowds in Luke 9, 41, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I suffer with you? He said to his disciples in Mark 8, 21, How is it that you still don't understand? He said to Philip in John 14, 9, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me? Even after his resurrection, he said to his disciples on the road to Emmaus in Luke 24, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. As a real man, Jesus was discouraged at times, even with his own disciples' lack of understanding. Yet Jesus did not despair in a sinful way or in a way that lacked trust in God, but he entrusted, didn't he, his discouragement to God. Look at verse four, the second half. Yet surely, one translation, My just reward is with the Lord, and my work is with my God. Jesus had a kind of trust in the Father, not like us for salvation, no, but he trusted in the plan of God. Hebrews 12, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising its shame, and is now seated at the right hand of God. When he was met with hindrances in his mission, he entrusted himself to his faithful Father, And so notice Jesus comes, and he comes to gather who? The nation of Israel back, but not just them, verse 6. And this is why we're here this morning. We're here because of verse 6. God says to this servant, this beautiful words, it is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light to the nations. I love that. It's too little for you just to bring back one nation. How about all the nations of this world? This was God's promise to Abraham, and you, all the families of the earth, shall be blessed. And so who is Jesus? This one that we sing about at Christmas, this one who has come. Isaiah says he is God's light to the nations. Again, we were created as humans to always live in that light. Always. But sin has brought into this world and into our own human experience darkness, despair, discouragement. Isaiah 59 9. It says, We looked for light, but here's darkness, for brightness, but we walk in blackness. Is that not our world? left to ourselves. This is our situation, beloved. We're darkened in sin. We're blinded to the beauty of Jesus. Jesus said in John 3, men, they love darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds are evil. But at Christmas, we celebrate that the light of God's salvation has come into this world, and the darkness has not overcome it. Isaiah 9, verse 12, we hear the very cry of the Advent season. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. What does it mean, beloved, that Jesus is the light? A couple of things. It means first, he gives us hope. He gives us hope. Sometimes we say, don't we, hey, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. It's a way of speaking of hope, right? After a time of darkness. Well, The word of God reminds us no matter how dark life gets for us, no matter how dark the culture becomes, no matter how dark our experience will be, there will always be, because of Jesus, the light of God's hope Indeed, our hope is a living hope secured at the right hand of God even now. And so Jesus, as the light, brings into our experience hope. He also gives relief. Verse 16 of the same chapter of Isaiah here. I will bring the blind by the way that they did not know. I will make darkness light before them and crooked places straight. This servant will bring us into the very light of God's salvation and he will lead us. Finally, his servant will give us renewed purpose and meaning. Psalm 36, 9, For with you is the fountain of life, and in your light we see light. Jesus is the light who brings into our world hope and relief and purpose. He said of himself in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And notice the second part of verse six, he's not only the light, but he is the very salvation of God. He doesn't just preach about salvation, but he is the very source of it. Salvation, you see, it's not found in eternal set of principles. It's not found in a way of life. Salvation is found in a person. It's found in Christ. You know, we love this season, don't we? Because in the wintertime, uh, when the days are darker and colder and shorter, we get to see a lot of bright lights all around us. We get to see lights on people's houses, right? Lights on Christmas trees, even lights on people's clothes. Lights everywhere that are meant to invoke joy and celebration. And as you see the various lights, beloved, shining in the darkness, this is to be a reminder of who Jesus is. He is the light who brings hope into this dark world. As we sang in our opening hymn, light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. Only through this Savior Jesus can we enjoy fellowship with God and know the light of his presence. The late R.C. Sprawl said it like this, We're afraid of the dark because we were made to live in the light. But someday all who love this son will live with him forever in heaven. And so, beloved, into our world that is dark, both morally and spiritually, God holds before us today the light of the nations. The call to us is to come into the light of Christ. And we do that by repenting of our sin acknowledging how much we need this savior and humbly trusting in what he has done for sinners like us why can we trust him why can we trust him finally and briefly because of verse seven it's because he suffered for us he suffered for us like many prophets of old jesus would experience suffering and rejection even before his coming, the Old Testament predicted this, that he would be treated, as our text says here, like a disposable slave, like a worthless man. In his day, the Romans, the pagan rulers like Caesar Augustus, Pontius Pilate, and many others plotted against him. We don't get all of the details of his suffering until the final servant song in chapter 53, but already here we get a glimpse of what's to come. This servant who is faithful, who glorifies God, would suffer for the sins of men. But beloved, this is how he brings us back to God. By living the life we have not lived, by dying the death we deserve, and by being raised again gloriously on the third day. And this song tells us his suffering, it would lead to glory. The nations will acknowledge his greatness and they will glorify this servant. How? Because, verse 7, because of the Lord who is faithful. Because of the Lord who is faithful. God is faithful to his word. God is faithful not to allow darkness and sin to win the day. God is faithful not to allow suffering and injustice towards his son to have the final word. But he would vindicate his son by raising him from the dead, showing that he is the king who is to be acknowledged by all men. What's our response to these things, beloved? Again, not only are we to walk in the light of Christ through faith and repentance, but as the church of Jesus Christ here on earth, we are living in union with him, aren't we, by faith? And therefore, we are called to be God's prophetic voice here on this earth who proclaim Christ as the light of the world. We are to bring before people Jesus Christ, the words of this prophetic servant so that they could listen to him and follow him by God's grace. Our Heidelberg Catechism asks, why are you called a Christian? And part of the answer is this, as a prophet I am anointed to confess his name. This Advent season, dear Christian, you have been anointed by King Jesus to share his name with the people around you. If the church of Jesus will not witness to Christ, who will on this earth? And even when our witness is not always well received, we remember, as Jesus did, that God is faithful. We can entrust our discouragements, frustrations, to the God who sees us. We learn from Jesus, don't we, that results aren't always immediate. Even his own disciples were scattered for a season. But even when our efforts feel vain in the home Or in the workplace or in our friendships we ought not to despair because we see in Christ God is faithful and he has not forgotten us and so beloved this Advent season let us not only behold this servant of the Lord but let us listen to him let us listen to his life-giving words because he's the light that shines in the darkness may we walk in the light as he is in the light may we proclaim Christ as God's prophets here on earth, and may we entrust all of our joys and all of our sorrows to our faithful God and Father, because in Jesus we see our labors are not in vain. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, great is your faithfulness. The Advent season reminds us that you are faithful to all of the promises of your word, faithful to send your Son, the great servant, faithful to raise him from the dead. If you have been faithful, Lord, in times past, you will be faithful now to your church, to every Christian, to protect us and to keep us to the very end. Help us this morning, O Lord, to listen to and treasure the words of Jesus that we might have life in his name today. Father, hear our prayers. And even now as we come to the table, confirm these very promises to our hearts. For we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.